Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello, and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey, guys. Dr. Santos here, pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. Kind of fresh coming off of call and a little bit per- perplexed with some of my cooler cases, but... Just just cool look at him scratch his head. <laughs> Deep in thought. I'm, I can ponder or I can uh, talk about these cool topics that we have. I, I don't think I can do both but, good. And you know, Santosh, it's an alternate week, which means it's time. Everybody's favorite segment, Journal Club! What is Yay! That? So this week, all our journal articles are themed around thanksgiving need topics. I, I don't know how you describe the holiday. gratitude <laughs> you've got this big like whole i mean and to be fair this is a very kind of like modern united states thing we go ape wild on october halloween and then you know christmas is christmas and then you're like what is thanks i mean you know we have like this background that we learn in school and we got pilgrims and native americans and that kind of a thing a lot of which has been debunked over time there's leftover pumpkins i mean frankly it's and be like it's the middle leaves i guess there's the middle yeah the cranberry sauce (laughs) well folks we're gonna try and uh help ourselves to some sides of knowledge let's do let's talk about cranberries Uh, yeah let's do uh i especially like this and you've made this particular um journal club pretty uh infection heavy which i love well what do you know about cranberries santosh before we go into the article what everybody know about well uh they're uh you know heavy in citric acid were studied for a while if you're talking about medicine they were studied for a while to see if you could prevent 
recurrent urinary tract infections. And the target population were usually uh, women of childbearing age, so sexually active women. It is a thing that, you know, there are a subset of women that tend to get urinary tract infections after sexual intercourse. And of course, you have a very short urethra on most biological women. Then when you have genital to genital contact, we do actually tell some women, you know, after you have sex, if you have a predilection for having urinary tract infection, you urinate right after sex. And do it while uh, chugging a glass of cranberry bathroom. juice. <laughs> so, we, well, we had studies in the past. We had studies because we wanted to figure out the answer to this question. And do the consumption of cranberries or juice prevent the UTI after sex? And after a lot of good controlled studies, exactly. was no. So we debunked the cranberry juice myth. Yeah. Or did we? Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Oh, God damn you to hell. <laughs> this is something that has nothing well, to do with UTIs. But well, okay, let's, do let's your, get into that. Da, da, it's, da we can debate it after. So a new study published in the journal yeah. Advanced Science, yeah. not just that regular kind, provides evidence that mm. when treated with <laughs> molecules derived from cranberries or a cranberry extract, certain bacteria become even more sensitive to mm. lower doses of antibiotics and the bacteria don't or can't develop resistance to antibiotics. So this was discovered by some delightful Canadian researchers over at McGill University in Montreal. They have found a way to prevent uh, the y- y- your horrible antimicrobial resistance. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's French Canadian. Okay, fine. Oh, you know, experimenting with those little cranberries there, eh? And uh, we now just, combine uh, them. We were... <laughs> Your father was a scientist and smelt of cranberries. I'm actually brown. Um, Burn! So given the popular and debunked belief yeah. that drinking cranberry juice is helpful yeah. against urinary tract infections, these researchers decided they wanted to find out more about what in the cranberries was potentially causing this. So they took this extract and tested it against bacteria responsible for urinary infections as well as stomach infections. And it increased sensitivity to all of them. So Proteus mirabilis, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, Escherichia coli, Escherichia. And it Not showed bad. that the cranberry extract <laughs> increase material sensitivity oh. <laughs> by making the cell wall more permeable so it you know knocks uh, yeah. a bunch of all making it for the antibiotic to get in and it also stops up all the pipes so the new ba- so the bacteria can't pump the antibiotic out so cranberry does have an effect it's just not juice accessible that's true yeah it's we've talked about this several times i think on this podcast there's a difference between what works on the bench and then what works in animal models and what works in humans. And it's a very different thing to say that you're able to reduce, uh, you know, antimicrobial levels or, or concentration and still kill the bacteria and prevent mutations that would lead to antimicrobial resistance and doing all that in a Petri dish or in cell culture. And it's a very different thing to do in that to saying, okay, if I give this to a person, then they will have a lower incidence of infection. So I think it's super cool 
you know, all of the products that we found to fight bacterial infection really are derived from nature, you know, all the way back from that first pen penicillium mold um, that, you know, Alexander Fleming found. So this is another kind of addition to the possible arsenal yeah. of, uh, of molecules and compounds that we can use to fight bacteria, especially, Josh, if it's saying that you can actually prevent the emergence of resistance. That is super cool. Yeah, so and we're entering a post-antibiotic world rapidly as everything develops resistance. So we need new antibiotics, which we've talked about on multiple other journal clubs, but also ways to bolster our existing ones. So there might actually be something useful in that supplement dial eventually. <laughs> no, there's we find things from time to time you know, uh, boosting your vitamin D levels are, are is actually helpful for combating tuberculosis. You know, if, if you have, heaven forbid, if you catch measles, you know, you can use vitamin A. And those people who are vitamin A deficient are, are actually at higher risk from death from measles. So yeah, yeah, we, we find things from time to time. But the true usefulness of, you know, those statements like, this supplement will just make you healthier and better. We're way too far away from that. Cranberries covers at least one good Thanksgiving side, right? Uh, what else? How about some pumpkins? Pumpkin chunkin. I love pumpkin chunkin. Is that like a Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, would you please ta uh, indulge me for one second, Josh? You, you haven't lived enough, I think, in rural Midwest. Uh, this is a festival. Um, <laughs> it's uh, pumpkin chucking or pumpkin chucking. This is a world championship. Could you please? Oh my, there's a trebuchet. There is. <laughs> so November in Delaware, you can, and you're allowed to enter machinery into this competition that's specifically meant to chuck a pumpkin and there are there are medals for distance and style points and uh there are certain competitions where they restrict like what you can use for equipment and there's others which is like a free-for-all like you can go as crazy as you want and so, yes, you can, no, you can, you can uh, enter whatever you want into the pumpkin chucking contest. And by the way, if you don't want to go all the way to Delaware to the WCPCA or the World Championship Pumpkin Chunkin Association uh, finals or the World Championship, you can go to other places. You can go, you know, there's Utah and there's New Hampshire and all these kind of places like that. And you can chuck some pumpkins. Um, I do, I do think it's sad because, you know, you, we should respect our pumpkins. We shouldn't just chuck them. I'm, I'm totally okay with this concept I just learned of. <laughs> there are categories. This is the best, just the tip ever. Yeah. yeah. There, uh, if you scroll to the bottom of the wiki page, you can actually see there's adult air, adult female air, adult centrifugal adult catapult trebuchet and then there's youth categories we'll say it again it just at the just the tip but uh oh no 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 we'll start throwing tips whenever they occur but let's get back to to pumpkin health as another thanksgiving let's talk about pumpkins and what they can do for you uh, or at least 
for your health. What can pumpkins do for you? <laughs> From time to time, I was like, where? Why do you look this stuff up and how does it hit you? Don't just sit around thinking to yourself, what can pumpkins do for me? Well, first off, uh, I know that... I don't know about the rest of you with pets, but I know that my dog gets spoiled outrageously, uh, and especially on holidays. So what foods are safe, or at least what of the traditional Thanksgiving foods are safe for dogs to eat? You should check with your vets, but one that I can confirm are pumpkin seeds. And interestingly, interestingly, pumpkin seeds may have some anti-worm effects effective in dogs and humans, which is how this whole dive began. So let's go back to me trying to figure out if a dog who just maybe hypothetically ate a pumpkin seed would be all right and how this story began. Oh, that's okay. Okay, now I get it. What? No. No. <laughs> We're talking purely hypothetical situation. Oh, I'm, 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 you know what? I'm sorry. That's my fault. I presumed. And when I presume, I make a pre out of Sue and me. Exactly. And Sue doesn't need that in her life. So if you have about 10 ounces or 300 grams, depending on what side of the ocean you're on, of pumpkin seeds are eaten, you can paralyze worms. All sorts of worms. Big worms, little worms, fat worms, skinny worms. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Okay, go, go, go. Okay, go. Uh, pumpkin seeds have been shown to have minimal but statistically effects on swollen glands they have some light steroids uh, vitamin e and selenium as well as some anti-inflammatory effects but you're still better off with aspirin uh, so let's talk about actual studies such as what they do for an overactive bladder um, i didn't know pumpkins could have an effect on your prostate maybe that's why uh, peter peter pumpkin eater had so many <laughs> No, he had a wife and he couldn't keep her. Right. Okay. So we uh, fed a number of dogs up to 10 ounces of pumpkin seeds. I mean, not us personally, but dogs were fed. And afterwards, they began excreting helminths, um, tapeworms, and one or two others, depending on the infections that the dogs had. Uh, the worms don't die, but they are paralyzed. And that's very similar to our current anti-worm medications correct santosh yeah uh albendazole and uh you know mebendazole these guys they they all end in bendazole and we all remember them in medical school because they bend the worms these are neurotoxins that uh actually attach to the uh you know the the not you know they they have neurotransmitters these worms you don't think of it they all have little you know like little worm dopamine josh like little, you know, that makes the worms feel good. But they they have the same types of neurotransmitters that allows for, you know, propagation of signals so that they can move. And these compounds block the transmission of those neurotransmitters so the worms free. Now, because this worked so well on dogs, scientists proceeded to study the effects uh, in vitro and then to move on to in vivo studies. So of the two kinds of pumpkin seeds, Cucurbita moscata or Cucurbita maxima. Um, they tested them against several different infections directly. And again, they confirmed that they do have an anti-worm action of extracts on egg hatching, 
and larval development, and to a lesser degree, the ability of the worms to move. But um, not on every infection. It didn't work on C. elegans, which is one kind of worm, but it did work against H. beccheri. To see if this actually worked, you know, you got in vitro and in vivo studies. So in vitro means, again, in the culture dish, and in vivo means that, you know, you tried it in the animal. Um we got several types of helminths that they went ahead and tried pumpkin seed extract on. Some C. elegans. C. elegans is like the the model worm. Like if you want to do like worm work uh, and you want to see like what worm has you know we've done the most work on it and we've mapped out the neuron uh, like all these other different kinds of things. The genome it's C. elegans. So you know you always try some of your first work on worms on the C. elegans model. And then um, we had another one, uh, another nematode, Heligmosoides bacchari, or H. bacchari. Um, and then uh, they, they got the plant material, they delivered it straight to the worms, they saw what the mouse did, and then they actually had mice uh, infected with these worms and then tried uh, this, uh, this extract of the pumpkin versus um, hot water extract, cold water extract, and ethanol as controls. Um, so yeah, the, those are all the, the models that they use. So that was the in the Petri dish and in the mouse model. This was, this was really, really cool because they said, okay, so you know, the, in the in vitro model, um, you know, they actually studied it and uh, they were actually able to find out that they had like, you know, inhibitory properties uh, you know, in the in vitro study. So they were actually able to select, um, you know, the, the, the molecules that they wanted, like which extract that they wanted to use. So like whether you soaked your pumpkin in hot water first or cold water or ethanol to get whatever materials out of the pumpkin. I like to soak my pumpkins in ethanol, specifically whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> so it will, when you soak it out there, different stuff comes out of the pumpkin, right? So now they said, okay, well, we can give these things, you know, in to the actual mice. Uh, and they actually found that, yeah, okay, if we took the ethanol extract and we said, oh, hey, you know, we were able to, you know, uh, stop the H. buckeri eggs from ha uh, from hatching and we got inhibitory properties against worm motility, which means they couldn't move. They were basically paralyzed. Um, and then on the C. elegans, um, you know, the, the worms got hurt. And then we had uh, significant effects on the motility as well. Like they, they couldn't move very well. And it doesn't take a large dose to do this. It's only about eight grams per kilogram of worm. Yeah, exactly. And that sounds like a lot because usually, you know, we deal in like micrograms or milligrams, but yeah, that's, that's doable. If you think about like per kilogram of worm, you know, there usually isn't kilograms of worm during an infection. If you have a kilogram of worms inside you, you have a whole other problem. You're, you're in deep trouble, <laughs> exactly. So basically, these are worms which are gastrointestinal worms. They don't go out into the bloodstream and that kind of thing. We found that these pumpkin seeds, not we, but our wonderful researchers here, found that this pumpkin uh, seed extract was really good at combating and might be able to be used to control GI worm infestation, um, which is, you know, around the world, Josh. It's a big and 
again, we're looking at alternatives to infectious agent or to inf- antibiotics, which are rapidly become obsolete, like, you know, some medical Apple products. Yeah, that's true. Now, for worms, we're we're doing semi-okay. You know, the worms have a much harder time developing resistance. But, you know, everything evolves. And as much as we're going to use these anti-helminthics, um, eventually we're going to run out of use for them just because these little bastards are going to become resistant. Now, let's talk about the other thing that pumps do for you. So the worm one is great over the whole world, uh, for animals, for people, um, for those strange folks who actually have kilograms of worms to deal with. But there was one other thing I thought was interesting, and Santosh, you as usual, walked into with a dubious eye. Uh, yeah, this was, this was the one at the weird, you know, it was from, a, is, that was the one from like lifeextension.com, but ultimately like there's an actual article here. But but linked to a real article from the Japanese Journal of Medicine and Pharmaceutical Science. Right. And I I should say, Josh, that like there is kind of a resistance um, uh, for us. And it's 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 a bad bias where when we see people using, you know, plant derived materials to try to treat disease, we automatically get a little bit, you know, weirded out. It's like, no, you need a synthetic chemical. The truth of the matter is, you know, most of our therapies come from the natural world. So we shouldn't be as dubious as we are. Right. Have more faith in Benjamin Duger, plant physiologist. <laughs> Guys, if you don't know about Benjamin Duger, plant physiologist, um, please go ahead and, and pause and, you know, have a Google and come on back. And then you and your brain can be as full of the amazing, he was the botany Indiana Jones. If you have, in addition to its anti-helminthic properties, if you have certain bladder issues, such as an overactive bladder, well, something else in a different kind of pumpkin extract may be able to help with that, improve bladder and address inflamed prostates. And this is, it's kind of interesting, right, Josh? Because we were discussing with the worms that the, the pumpkin seed extract is kind of a paralytic, mm-hmm. right? It actually stopped the worms from moving, um, which is the same thing we use albendazole, mabendazole. These are worm paralytics. It's kind of interesting because when you're dealing with hyperactive bladder, it's the same effect that you want. You want to kind of actually cool off the abnormal neural now, impulses that, that are doesn't mean that this spasm. paralytic effect extends up to larger organs and devices like you're not going to be able to james bond your way into this one and no, feed like, no. why can't i move you've had one slice of <laughs> pumpkin pie too many mr bond now you're paralyzed <laughs> no folks it but what it does do is a uh, japanese scientists examined the effects of these pumpkin extracts and on urinary frequency during both daytime and night. And they did it across a range of ages as well as gender. So 39 postmenopausal women aged 52 to 86, and that was over six weeks. And this was over a number of different studies. So that was one. A separate group of Japanese scientists studied 45 men aged 65 or older. So all these are very tiny studies individually, and we wouldn't be able to expand their findings out to a general population. But by doing a meta-analysis, you say, well, if 
over, you know, a hundred studies have been done and 98 of them have all come to this conclusion, even if no individual study was strong enough, we can take the body of work as reliable. It, that's true. And th to some extent, you have to make sure that the, the body of work that you're talking about are good studies, that they're well controlled, um, that you have uh, no selection biases and a, and a good uh, population and everything. But if the reviewers of the meta-analysis say, you know, the evidence is strong and uh, you're, you kind of have a good population to which to draw from, um, then the, the aggregate data is super, super helpful. And looking at the aggregate data from these studies, they found that taking a extract-containing mixture, now they didn't quantify it quite as well in this study as I would have hoped, or at least uh, it wasn't as well laid out, um, but taking a pumpkin seed extract-containing mixture for three months would produce a roughly 40% increase in urinary flow and a 30% reduction in nighttime frequency compared with those taking a placebo. Yay! And I gotta say, huge props in this case. Um, we don't do enough studies on women, especially older women. Um, now, they needed to include women here because when you're talking about overactive bladder, um, this is a disease that's going to affect primarily older men and women, but um, women with a with a little bit more frequency. So I understand that they had to design it this way in order for it to work, but it, it is so uncommon to routinely include women in analyses like this. I, I think it's just amazing. Yeah. So good job on those Japanese researchers and the reviewers of the meta-analysis. Now, Santosh, I could not as many articles as I had originally hoped about Thanksgiving-specific medical foods, but I did find a ton of questions that people have been asking just about Thanksgiving things in general that I thought we could uh, perhaps answer. So let's field a couple. So is it actually possible to eat so much your stomach explodes? Uh, Clearly, from somebody who is worried about having that last little wafer thin mint. It's kind of amazing when I look through the, how pervasive this particular myth was. The stomach is pretty stretchy, but it is possible in theory for a sharp object or an infection that wears the lining of the stomach thin or a term ulcer or several things to thin the area enough that you can poke a hole between the inside of your stomach and the inside of your abdomen, or stomach cavity. And uh, that's pretty bad, and almost always a surgical issue. Sometimes you can have microperforations, but most of them really need to be addressed pretty fast. The good news is, it is incredibly unlikely to happen, even from overeating in an American fashion. I don't know, should, at some point should we be just like, well, maybe don't eat so much, or... Santosh. This is America. We don't eat till we're full. We eat till we hate ourselves. Uh, <laughs> what about passing out after eating turkey? What do you think? Oh, the old uh, the, the tryptophan gag, right? I saw a good amount of data mm -hmm. where they actually said this is not a thing that um, turkey doesn't contain as much tryptophan as we think and 
you know, there's, there's maybe a little bit of a, you know, like a placebo kind of effect here because we think that it puts you to sleep, but it doesn't really. There's more tryptophan in a roast chicken than there is in a turkey. The high food and alcohol intake and the general sedentariness of most Thanksgivings that makes everybody happy has nothing to do ah, with see. what you're consuming. All right, so it's probably just because you've eaten way too much and not really because of the tryptophan. Now, this one should be obvious, but I just... I liked it, so uh, how much gravy is too much gravy? <laughs> this is just like your brown gravy type of stuff for, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't... I only bring this one up because Dr. Sarah Funk, for that name, okay. in the Division of Gastroenterology at the University of Colorado, take, makes it a point saying, if there's more gravy than meat, it's probably too much gravy. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I see. I yeah, that's yeah, like, take what that. if it's more gravy than potatoes? Same rules apply. Less gravy than food. <laughs> what about which gotcha. is better? White potatoes or sweet potatoes? White potatoes probably have a lower like a sugar content and uh uh you know it's it's the so glycemic it really, index is in a The answer is it depends on what you're trying to treat or eat. Sweet potatoes okay. have more fiber and contain vitamin A, but do have a higher glycemic index. Mm -hmm. So if you're diabetic or have a highly labile blood sugar, you may want to steer away from the sweet potato casserole. White potatoes don't have any vitamin A, but they have more vitamin oh, C, gotcha. a little bit more starch, so they're slightly more filling, and don't have the same glycemic index, and therefore mashed potatoes are safer for sensitive diabetics to eat. Uh, that's the multi-potato um, theory. What tips would you give to somebody who wants to eat healthy during Thanksgiving, Santosh? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I mean, if you really care that, you know, you want to eat healthy during Thanksgiving, I mean, you'd kind of have to follow the same basic rules, right? Like limit the calorie intake to a certain amount, uh, you know, depending on your size and consumption and everything, and make sure it's balanced properly between you know, proteins and carbs. Big mistake people tend to make is you eat nothing all day. You starve yourself because it's the Thanksgiving meal. And this leads to overeating. So if instead you snack all day long at, in, okay. you know, you graze, as I like to call it, maybe have a cup of yogurt in the morning and then another couple hours later, you go and oh. sneak a few, uh, Right. I don't know if the turkey's already cooking, you can't do much about that. You sneak a, a spoonful of cranberry sauce. Then another hour later, a sure. handful of pumpkin seeds. So you graze throughout the day so you feel more full and are less likely to overeat during the big meal. Also, eat something green. Uh, <laughs> now, in, in some regions in the United States, this isn't hard because, you know, green beans and, you know, um, sometimes even like collard greens, spinach, that kind of a thing is kind of part and parcel of the meal. Now, I, I worry about it because sometimes it's like, I'll actually say, and this is quite important, that it it should be something green, but uh, it doesn't count if you fry the shit out of it, <laughs> like some people do with Brussels sprouts, until like there's no nutritional value left. I'm going to guess that most of the greens are probably frozen. Well, depending on what they are, and a lot of the packages of frozen food is they are frozen to preserve maximum nutritional content. So even if you're deep frying, you're starting from a much stronger position. 
then, but eat something green, eat throughout the day, and drink plenty of water. Uh, the the drinking plenty of water is actually really really good. Aside from you know it's good to hydrate and everything, um, you actually you end up kind of filling up your tummy a little bit so that you don't eat as much of all the like crap and stuff, and then also offset the sodium. Yeah, yeah, it's it, I I think that's good. I'll do a final thing, which is kind of the saddest part of the eat healthy on Thanksgiving part, which is go easy on dessert. <laughs> and now here's the thing, Josh, interestingly, there is this phenomenon of satiety, which means that you're full, that kind of goes away when you're offered something very calorie rich. That's why, you know, they say save room for dessert. You really don't have to because your brain will trick you into thinking you have more room when that, you know, pumpkin pie or, you know, anything just when it hits the table. So watch out. You, you are more full than you think. Uh, be careful. And, you know, if you, if you felt full before the, the, the pie came out, maybe take a break. Notice he didn't say stop. Just take a break. Take a little break. Go out back and chuck some pumpkins. <laughs> yeah. The pumpkin chuckin' for sure is absolutely amazing. I'm so glad I was able to introduce you to pumpkin chuckin', Josh. And I have a feeling that sometime in our long and many years of friendship together, we will chunk some pumpkins. So that's it for this week. As always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. You can, if you'd like to support us spiritually, emotionally, or financially, links to do that via show notes, along with links to some of the studies that I found searching this episode. This show is produced by me with a lot of help from all our co-hosts and guests. Our theme composed by Rachel Ledger. And until next time, as always, happy travels. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.